0: Welcome to the Next Level Income Show, where we help you take your income, your investments, and your life to the next level. I'm Chris Larson. And I'm Caleb Wellborn. You can get our free book at nextlevelincome.com. Today on our show, we have Heath Walters. Heath Walters is the managing partner of Walters CPA. He's a certified tax coach, as well as an instructor with the American Institute of Certified Tax Planners, Heath also conducts training seminars (laughs) for college planning strategies, continuing professional ed for other CPAs, and he's a mentor for CPAs working towards converting their practice to an advanced tax planning firm. Uh, he also works exclusively with small business owners, providing advisory services to guide them to more of their hard-earned money, which we love, Heath. Of course. Welcome.
1: Thank you. So yeah. glad to be here, Chris.
0: Yeah, this is fantastic.
1: Caleb, great to be here.
0: Yeah, thanks for coming up to Asheville, a right. little short drive. I know, beautiful area. Mountains are wonderful. Yeah. And uh, I hear you um,
1: enjoyed the drive up in uh, your your uh, fast German vehicle. Yes, yeah, so I am a car fan, as we will all know once you get to know me a little bit. So just like you, absolutely love the car, the car, and love the mountains, love the roads. Yeah. So well, glad to have you here. Thanks.
0: Um, so I originally met your partner Matt, who reached out talking about uh, one of the opportunities we had and and how it might fit with with some of your clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've gotten to know you and really enjoyed some of the conversations we've had which is why we're having you here today um, But I was wondering if you could share with the audience Heath a little bit more about your story
1: all right Chris so great question uh, so I came out of public accounting I work for Arthur Anderson, one of the biggest firms out there and uh, what I saw was I would bill clients 120 bucks an hour to tell them exactly what they already knew which was how much money did they make well my job was to go confirm that that that, what that was. So when we look at where the value that I gave, well, there wasn't any, the value was to a stockholder to just assure that the clients gave good numbers. So in life, I didn't feel like if I talked with a client that I was doing anything. And that is really important to me that if I'm working with somebody, how am I giving value back to what they do? So, um, I went into retail because I couldn't figure that out in accounting. Um, I ran big box stores for about ten years as a store manager with Lowe's and home Depot. and and then I left and went to become a financial advisor and thought, hey, there's some great ways to uh, give clients value. Um kind of like you started into the whole life side and the tax deductible side of insurance, and just couldn't sell anything and had to come up with a new strategy. so I, I started into college planning and Learned that there's amazing tax strategies for business owners and started studying with other tax planners that are out throughout the country. And as I learned these, we just developed a niche over time. And now all that we do is work with business owners. We work with reducing taxes in big ways. So people that have big tax problems, they usually want to call me because we know how to handle big problems. That's what we do. Um, so that's kind of how, how things have evolved. And now I'm teaching other CPAs because they want to know how to do this. And it's all about value to clients. It's about value to you. And I want people to want to work with me. You know, when you think about taxes, normally it's like, oh, man, I got to call my accountant. Well, when you're calling me, it's because I'm going to save you 100000 or a quarter of a million dollars. It's big money. So now wow. you're excited to want to call me. So, I mean, whoever thought would have thought that you want to call an accountant. But here we are. Yeah. And that's,
0: I mean, that's one of the cool things. I had some people listen today. me and say, oh, I already have an accountant. I'm, I'm going to turn off now. But you got on a call with my accountant, Brett huh? and I, and went through the whole tax tax yeah. process. And it, it was, you know, a lot of people don't realize that there's
1: somebody out there like you. Yeah. Well, it was great talking to your accountant. I mean, I do that all the time because I'm not in this to go in and do your, your accounting work. Like I'm not a competitor to anybody's accountant. and. Uh, When you look in the market, 95% of business owners don't want to change their accountant. But 95% think they're overpaying in taxes. Hmm. So how can I go in and help them save taxes because that's what I do and then not change the accountant? Well, you've got a great accountant. He's amazing. You've got all these strategies that are in place, but there's still more that he's not doing because he doesn't have the time to spend to devote just to this advanced stuff. So, yeah, I would love working with him. He's great.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I actually work with Brett too. He's fantastic.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's very knowledgeable. He is open and understanding to, hey, there's someone else out there that knows something I don't, and he's willing to listen, and he's open to the strategies, and what did we do to learn that? And he wants to learn for himself to make it better. Well, I find accountants sometimes that are like, eh, I don't want to hear it. I know, I know everything. Well, that's probably not the, the, the right accountant for you.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I could totally see that. So with uh, going into the strategy a bit, can you share what the Walters way is, as I think you've branded it? Yes. So let's talk about the Walters way.
1: So the Walters way,
2: if we think about the
1: way a client makes money today, so we just take a business owner making half a million dollars, that's usually where we start, just because there's a lot more taxes. So there's a bigger problem at that point. So business owner making half a million dollars, they're paying taxes depending on the state, but give or take all in all about 150 to $170,000 a year. Well... In the traditional sense of doing accounting and doing taxes, we think of, hey, let's well, go do a Section 179 or doing depreciation or a home office deduction. Well, h- half a million dollars is going to leave you still with a tax bill of $150,000. And that's kind of what you were experiencing when you when we talked first, um, even with Brett. And Brett's really good, so you're not quite at the 150 or below that. Um, but what we do is we focus on um, a much more advanced – um, type of strategies. We, there's about four or 500 different strategies that we can use. There's a lot that's out there in tax code. Uh, most how, of
0: your, how, how long is the tax, t- tax code again? How was it
1: a billion words, it's, I think? Uh, <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I think every other day I'm finding a new tax strategy that's out there. Like, There's so wow. much. It's huge. Yeah. Right? So no one person can know the whole tax code. But w- what we focus on is these really advanced strategies, and that's all that we do. So if you're writing off your car, which isn't a bad thing, which Mm -hmm. you are doing, well, I can't make the write-off any bigger, right? But when you focus on the advanced strategies, these are going to be proactive in nature, things that you have to put in place before the end of the year. What we find is that when you proactively put those strategies in place, we will see a tax bill drop approximately 50% on average. So same, same client, $150,000 tax bill, we would typically see about 75 grand.
0: So can you walk us through that? You have a step-by-step process, The Walters Way. And and for our listeners today, uh, we're gonna have a link on the show notes uh, that you can go to Heath's website and you're gonna be able to get um, a slide deck to, to see this. And if you want more information, you can reach out
1: to Heath as well. Thanks. All right, so first step is we look at your entity selection. And I think that you have an S Corp, right? When you, when you came in. Well, we find that CPAs, and I was taught this too, is that an S-corp is done to save you money in self-employment tax. And now you can get a 20% tax deduction for most people for having that S-corp, right? Mm -hmm. But we don't talk about the fact that a C-corp can do lots of great things. Um, Some people forget that in a C-corp, you can sell without taxes for the right type of industry up to $10 million tax-free. Do y'all have any idea? You could, No, no, no. Yeah, so that's a new strategy, right? Yeah. Well, that's been in tax code for quite a while now. Interesting. Right? Yeah. So your entity selection when you start is really important. We also find when people are in partnerships with other partners right. that one partner wanted a more expensive car and or maybe wanted to hire his kids, but they couldn't do that because it would take away money from the other person. Hmm. So what we would do is we would take a partnership and have the partners, instead of owning that partnership individually, they would own it with a company. So the money would divide between the two companies, and now each of them could write off whatever they want and not take away money from the other person.
0: Smart. So you start with the end in mind when it comes to the, yeah. the actual structure, yeah.
1: Well, you've got the end in mind and then you got current deductions. To, is your corporate structure for everybody set up appropriately mm-hmm. to take advantage of all the, the strengths of a, a C-Corp, of a partnership, and of an S-Corp? And if it's not and you're only using one, well, you have to be missing something because there's strengths in, in all different types. So you kind of put them all together. That's the first thing we do with every client is entity selection.
2: So what do you do when someone has been doing it, say, in an ineffective way or less effective way for a Mm -hmm. while, and they come to you? Because you talked about beginning, or Chris said it, beginning with the end in mind. How do you help people switch once they realize?
1: Well, there's all sorts of ways to be able to switch. We can Mm -hmm. make elections to switch. We can start new companies. We can do a thing called income streaming. So using a CPA firm is a great example. In a CPA firm, if a CPA is doing tax returns, they have a lot more liability and they need licensing to do that. But that CPA also does bookkeeping, which doesn't have much liability and it doesn't make as much money. So the CPA can very easily separate and run two different companies. Mm. You know, Mr. Smith CPA to do all of his taxes and Mr. Smith bookkeeping, they easily get to an S corp and a C corp just by making the shift right there. We find it all the time in businesses. They have the ability to do that income streaming and do multiple types of companies. So if a client needs that, the multiple entity selection, then we just figure out how to do that. Sometimes it's adding, sometimes it's subtracting, sometimes it's moving agreements around, but we we, we get there.
2: That's awesome. We'll find a way. So what is the ideal mix of entities?
1: Uh, A S corp, a C corp and a partnership would be the ideal. Uh, If you can get all three of them and you can then get the strengths of all three to work cohesively, take the strengths of the added deductions at a C-Corp, take the flexibility of a partnership to move stuff around, and then take the 20% deduction and the savings on self-employment tax on the S-Corp, all of a sudden you've got the strength of everything. Wow. And what makes this interesting when we talk about people being afraid to change accountants or doing any of that, here I am talking about... Adding companies. Well, if you talk to your CPA, you think, "Hey, he was doing that because he could charge me more." Well, I have no skin in the game to go charge you more. I don't want to do more. It's more complicated. We don't want to do that. We're doing it because it's a value to you. So it's a real different scenario when you're thinking of it coming from a tax planner that's not doing your tax returns.
0: Now it's interesting. It's almost like a coach for for your CPA. Yep, it's it's pretty interesting. So once you have the entity set up, what's the what's the next step in the process? So
1: next is to go take take advantage of all the missing deductions that you weren't able to take
0: right (laughs) all right yeah
1: so that's number two it's whatever entity selection you didn't have now you'll have new deductions there's number two so number three is called income shifting that is where we are taking money and we Mm -hmm. are trying to pay at a 15 percent rate if you think about the number if i go back a slide
0: like warren buffett warren buffett 15 percent you got Mm -hmm. it
1: right Yep. So seventy-five grand in taxes on a five hundred thousand dollars income—that's fifteen percent—and mm-hmm. that's on everything. That's your federal, that's your state, that's your payroll taxes. It's not oh. just federal. That's where most people are really surprised, thinking of those reductions. We're talking about all of them, so the numbers are even bigger. Adds up than what they think. Yeah. yeah. You imagine saving seventy-five grand a year?
2: Yeah.
1: That's a lot of money. Oh yeah, for especially that over the course of a oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, and in the, the course the next of a decade. Career. Yeah. Yeah. You do that in the next decade. Go add on the. Uh, the cruel of interest and oh, yeah. man, I mean, you easily pick up a million dollars. Yeah. Holy cow!
0: Yeah, we were talking at lunch before the show. You know, that's what you know. I tell investors that the first step isn't to invest. The first step is to save more save. of your money. So, if people listen and say, "Hey, that, that that's not that's not right," you're not paying paying your fair <laughs> share. What do you say to somebody like that, Heath?
1: All right. <laughs> so, I do think that everybody does need to pay their fair share. Um, it's absolutely necessity. We're all we would all go to jail if we didn't. But there's a reason like why. Wesley Snipes, right? Well, you know, that, well, that was a little <laughs> bit of abuse, right? Uh, I don't know the story. A little bit of evasion, kind of some jail time. Yeah, no, I, like, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to go to jail, <laughs> right? Um, so we, we do all need to pay our, pay our fair share. Right. But you, even the IRS, the presidents, they all say, hey, go hire the right people and pay the least amount of taxes. That is in the tax code, that is stated by the US Supreme Court. You are legally allowed to pay the least amount of money in taxes. So, how do you do that? Well, it yeah. means you need to lo- learn the tax law, or you need to learn, know a lot of people that know the tax law, because there's a billion words, right? right? There's a billion words. No, I, I can't know it all, and I'm not going to try. But I surround myself with little people that know more than I do. Um, so, I agree. We, we need to pay our fair share. But what is that fair share? That depends on how good your team is around you.
0: Yeah. Well, the great thing is that people keep more of their money then they can take that money they can give it, they can send a check to the governor, they can send a check to their favorite charity, which which that's that's what we like to do around here.
1: Hey, at the, at the same time, the business owner are in a very unique situation because your small businesses typically employ about 60% of our economy.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a great stat. Yeah. So if they're employing yeah.
1: that much, who is it that needs the money and the yeah. capital to grow their business?
0: It's small businesses. It's a small business. Well, what's interesting is you look at, I, I read this somewhere, uh, big corporations don't actually produce jobs. Typically, they they remove jobs because they're, you know, companies buy other companies, they downsize. I, mean, we were, I was in Winston-Salem yesterday, and uh, BB&T and SunTrust are merging, and there's 60 people selling their houses there because they're downsizing. So it's, it's interesting. You know, they're economizing and doing sorts of things like that, yeah. whereas, you know, you talk to small businesses and, they're if they're growing, they're hiring. Absolutely. Where do you yeah. think
1: that entrepreneurship and new products and new inventions yeah. come from? Well, that's well, that's where small business, and then that brings in jobs. Yeah. So who are we taking care of? You take care of the business owner so that he has enough money to be able to afford this, because it is hard to start a business, and yeah. they're the ones that really need that capital.
0: That seventy-five grand you save them might mean another person that they can hire.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Speaking of statistics, the other day I think I'd read it something like. Only it's maybe just around eighteen thousand five hundred businesses in the United States have more than five hundred employees, so large businesses. Yeah. That and then there's over thirty million small business owners. Yep. So that's crazy.
1: That's a lot of small businesses, by the way. I didn't know it was that many. Yeah, thirty million. Over thirty. It's over
2: thirty million small business owners because a lot of these small businesses are individuals. Sold. Yeah, like sole proprietorship. They're, they're only the only yep. employee. Do you mostly work with small business owners, or who? What types of uh, people and professionals do you work with?
1: So generally, it's going to be small business owners. That's my that that's my niche. Um, real estate is a niche within tax planning just as well, um, but the small business owner that's my personal niche where I I like to be. I do understand the real estate very 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 well, um, but it's you know where I really enjoy. Um, I think a lot of accountants, as long as they're good at real estate, they've got a niche and they like that, then I let them do that. So Brad is a great example. He loves doing real estate, so I'm going to let him do that because he'll do better than I am in that (laughs) that spot. So I like the active businesses that are running. They've got employees, uh, if it's manufacturing, if it's construction, if it's professionals, Mm -hmm. uh, doctors, dentists. Um, So, you, you know, it's kind of a wide range of uh, people that that I will work with, um, we've got we've got several strategies that work for W two people that are making really really good money, um, but there's they're limited. We only have like you know somewhere between three and ten strategies we can do for W two. Um, so it's not that we don't have that. It's not that we can't save good money in that. But if you look at where we really enjoy being, it's the small business owner.
0: Yeah. Um, so walk us through a couple of your favorite strategies, then Heath. So I'm sure listeners are, are, are saying well. What are these what are these three to ten strategies for a w-2 owner what you know you talked about some of the entity structures. Could you, you know, give us a little taste of what some of those strategies might be?
1: Um, So my favorite one, um, I love kids. I love teaching and educating. That's what I went to school to be Um, but hiring kids why do I enjoy doing that? Um, I give a great example of my own daughter. Uh, one of my clients, we used the strategy a long time ago. He was a doctor, mm-hmm. and he was recording um, and training new interns coming in through, mm-hmm. or residents, I guess you'd say, through the hospital. Well, he's doing all this recording. Well, if someone's doing that, well, that's actually a job, right? Yeah, sure. You do this all the time. Yeah. So yeah. what happens if we go take and hire his children to do the, video, the editing? Well, how much money can we pay them? Well, that's a lot.
0: Yeah, because we're not talking about, like, three-year-olds. Like, your daughter's 12, 13? Yeah, she's 12, 13. Yeah, yeah, she's old enough to be productive.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. my two-year-old is not on payroll.
0: <laughs> <laughs> For the record.
1: <laughs> yes. There are, are old ways that people use to be able to do that, but it doesn't hold up anymore. Yeah, I don't Yeah. Uh, so age seven, by the way, is the court-tested date. Okay, that's um, fair. So right. at age seven. Both
2: my boys are above that now. I like that. Yeah. Yes, very yeah. good. Court-tested, how does it work with child labor laws? Because I know a lot of places you can't hire. Like, I'm when I was growing up in Texas... One of my first jobs was working at a grocery store, but they wouldn't hire anyone under sixteen. And then before that, I was working as a soft soccer ref because they paid you under the table when I was like <laughs> <laughs> when I was like thir- and they would hire people younger than that. So I was like started doing that when I was thirteen, paid cash. It was awesome, um, but it was because I couldn't get a job anywhere else at that time. How does it work for hiring kids that are like younger?
1: got it so um, your your child labor laws aren't quite the same for a business owner and their own dependents. as a parent we can hire our own children and okay. employ them in our office. Yeah. Um, last year we did get a couple inquiry letters from uh, from Social Security because we hired kids that were four and um, mm. they were legitimately doing work so it wasn't it wasn't bogus we only paid them $1200. Um, but they they managed the, the board meetings, and they took food in and out, and they cleaned up. So they actually were doing work. So $1,200. And we actually got the letter. And the Social Security says, hey, what in the world are these kids actually doing? They're way too young for what we normally see. Uh, so yeah. we just sent a letter. Here's the job description. Here's what we had done. And they're, okay, very good. You know, no, nothing comes about that. But you're. Your they're not, they're like, not
0: driving trucks like back and forth, or something. No, like they're yeah. not doing that. Operating not. heavy equipment.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, but you can usually find some sort of a job for, for us to hire our children. Yeah. Um, in my accounting firm, my oldest daughter mm-hmm. that does not do editing, I can't pay her that much because she doesn't do very much. Uh, but the daughter that's doing editing, uh, my goal is to shoot about forty grand to her this year. Nice. And wow. If you look at the way that tax law works, I'll shift forty thousand dollars to her, and I might pay ten or fifteen percent in tax on that. Where if I tried to do that myself, I can guarantee I'm going to be paying about fifteen or twenty if I did that. So why not shift it to my daughter? Well, we did this strategy for a for a business owner that had two kids down in South Carolina, and I, I live in North Carolina, and so did he. <laughs> Well, kids are out of state, so two kids in an out of state school—that's a hundred thousand dollars a year in college mm. fees. So what we did is we d- created a marketing company for both of the two parents. We shifted about fifty thousand bucks to this new company, and they actually did the marketing. They did the Facebook. They had a website, and they're probably
0: better—they're th- probably better at that than their parents oh, are. Oh yeah, way. Kel was better. better at that than I am. Oh, that's yeah, with of age, man. <laughs> of course, age advantage.
1: Uh huh. I'm not terrible at it. I got to hire people to go in and do that stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's no way. I'm just now getting into Facebook, and how? Yeah. I mean, come on. I'm like the prime age for Facebook. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so we shifted the stuff down to the kids. Well, not only did we save a whole lot of money in taxes. Well, both the kids got in-state residency. Really. So that's saved wow. them forty wow. grand a year by on just pulling. Yeah. Now, was that the plan, or did you find that out after the fact? We kind of pre, pre we kind of pre-planned for that yeah. a little bit. He had to do some extra work, had to get uh, driver's licenses, sure. and you know, have them have a lease apartment be off campus. So there were some rules we had to follow. But yeah. you look at the overall, that was like a hundred thousand dollars a year we're saved for this one family a year. Wow! Because we did tax planning. Did we do anything wrong? No. Did we violate any rules? No. Would it hold it an audit? One hundred percent. Yeah because $50,000 for two companies to hire a marketing company is nothing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well so tell me so you, you mentioned auditing. So people, you know, listeners, and this is one of the things that when I started learning about this, I said, well, I don't know if I want to do that, you know, I don't want to be at an increased chance of an audit. So t- talk a little bit about that. You know, you, you employ these strategies, when do you see the audit risks go up if people are scared of that and you know what would you say to somebody that said, you know what, Heath, I appreciate that. I just I don't want to get audited. I don't. I just don't even want to worry about it.
1: Well, I'm going to start with asking a different, the question in a different way. What about if we start and your audit risk goes down? Sounds good. Who would have ever thought that, right? You're like, wow. wait a minute, I'm saving money in taxes and I lower my audit risk. So for families that are in a Schedule C. If you have over $100,000 in gross sales in a Schedule C or a single-member LLC, whatever that might be, Mm -hmm. a non-corporation, you're in about a 3.8% audit rate. Okay. An S-Corp is in a 0.8% audit rate. Wow. So by saving you money in self-employment tax, you actually lowered your audit risk by 75%. Wow. One strategy.
0: Didn't know that. Glad I'm an S Corp. Save money money and decrease your audit risk. And decrease audit risk,
1: right? Whoa, okay, that's kind of crazy. So next stat, these numbers have been changing as the IRS uh, staffing has changed. But um, people that make over a million dollars of adjusted gross Mm -hmm. income on their tax return used to be at about an 8.2% audit rate, Mm -hmm. right? Because of the changing in staffing, they're now at a uh, 3.2% audit rate. That number went down well if we go in and employ a strategy like we'll talk about in a minute but like call it a captive insurance company Mm -hmm. which might have a high audit rate well at the same time we could drop your income below a million and we all of a sudden dropped your audit rate because of the fact that we understand how and when the IRS audits where so you've got to look at all of the factors and what causes audits what does not cause audits and how do you structure an entire plan Hmm. Being cognizant of that because I don't want to go through an audit. You guys don't want to go through an audit, hmm. but you also don't want to miss the opportunity to save the money in tax.
2: What's the rate for people making less than a million? It
1: varies, but um, uh,
2: typically it's going to be about okay.
1: point yeah, eight percent. Is typical 08 percent. Yeah, 0.8. So that's what
2: you're saying by like getting them yeah. below the million, then you reduce it. Yeah, that that okay. that
1: in and of itself reduces the audit yeah. risk. Gotcha. Interesting. Uh, when we're, looking at, when we're talking about audit risk, we have to look at the whole picture, and we also have to look at particular strategies. There are different strategies that will trigger more. Like there are strategies out there that have a 10% audit rate. You know if you do it one out of 10 times, you're going to get an audit just because of that one. And when you do things like that, you have to be very proactive in nature in your filings and how you report those. Those are typically for more aggressive type of tax planning strategies mm-hmm. where people are making a lot more money that are going to deal with those type of things. Um, make sure you're around an accountant that understands the filings and how that is done. Uh, there's lots of things that happen in that, in that space. Um, to me, when we look at things that are a lot more aggressive, that are that have a bigger audit rate, then we need to do a lot of due diligence on the vendors because the vendors are the ones that are going to help us with kind of being able to get through an audit if we were flagged. Um, but our goal while we're doing this is not to increase the audit rate, is not to go in and cause an audit. We don't typically cause audits from doing tax planning. Like hiring children does not at all cause an audit. It should actually reduce your audit rate because you've lowered your income. Interesting. But if you get audited, they audit payroll. So make sure you document right. what your kids did. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And then you will be perfectly fine through that. So it's just, you know, it's a holistic approach and then it's a particular strategy approach.
2: Great. How does real estate play into any of these strategies?
1: We find a lot of business owners own real estate. Do they own their own building? Some convert from rent to ownership. Right. And real estate has got all sorts of advantages. If we look at the president at the time, uh, President Trump, that's all that they do. They're they're a real estate mecca. And they understand a lot about real estate and development and tax code and how to use those codes to help develop more real estate because that's what they do. Yeah. Right. Uh, but they had to become experts in taxes so yep. that they could help do that. Well, why? Because there's so much opportunity in real estate to take advantage of the tax laws.
0: Yeah, so that's one of the things I found, Heath, was you know going from single-family to multi-family. One of the big reasons was the tax advantages, all things being equal – um, and I've, this has been accelerated uh, since the tax law passed about a year, year and a half, two years ago, um, it, it's great. You, know, you can get a K-1, you see the depreciation offset. Can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit about you know, why that is?
1: So when you've got real estate, you're gonna take income, but you're mm-hmm. also gonna depreciate that, which is an expense. So if you take a million you know, dollar building that you know, the, the land is maybe 100,000, but the building itself is 900, so you're gonna write $900,000 off per year. Every single, or not 900,000 divided by lots of years, right? Yeah. Is what you're going to do. But when you get into the better tax planning, especially with a bigger, with a bigger subdivision, you know, million dollars or a couple million dollars. Yeah. Well, what you do is you start to depreciate the roof in like 10 years, or you depreciate the carpet over seven years. Instead of just taking the 900,000 and divided by 39 years, we're going to take about I don't know, sometimes up to 50% of that and write it off in the next seven. So you're going to take a really, really, really big negative, which means it's a loss. So it's going to offset your other income.
0: But it's a paper loss.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It's not which is wonderful. A cash flow yeah. loss. But is that illegal? No. The IRS actually tells you on the IRS website that depreciation is one of the most underutilized, or accelerated depreciation, most underutilized uh, tax vehicles available out there.
0: Interesting. They
1: tell you that on their website. Not
0: by us. We utilize the heck out of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, multifamily, as you know, you know you're know, you talking about you know commercial building, thir- 39 years, right? Mm-hmm. Is the 39. multifamily's residential, 27 mm-hmm. and a half. You, know, you buy a 100-unit apartment building, that's mm-hmm. 100 units, mm-hmm. 100 appliances, 100 pieces of carpet, yep. 100, I mean, even... Shrubbery and things that aren't, you know, aren't, aren't permanent that can be replaced can be written off. Correct.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: I, I was shocked to learn that. I was like, wait, you can write off the landscaping, you know. In a lot of cases, it's, but it makes sense because, yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, you got plants that have to be replaced or you know, landscaping that has to be, um, you know, replaced over periods of time and wears out. It's pretty incredible. Well,
1: if you think about the washing machine, though, when you're running those, you're going to have a washing machine go out every five to ten years. Yep.
0: Yeah. Right. Seven yeah.
1: years, what's the average life anymore? Seven years? Yeah, so it
0: shouldn't be thirty-nine years. Yeah, it makes it makes not. perfect sense. Well, if you think yeah. about
1: depreciating that which was included in the major cost of the building over thirty-nine, well, you're gonna be you're gonna buy three more of them. Right. And every time you buy a new one, what do you do? You you do a section one hundred seventy nine, you write it off. Well, why didn't you write it off when you bought it? Well, that's because you just looked at the building as one. You didn't look at all the particular segments. So this is your technical side of tax, right? Yeah. But there's so much value in knowing people that know how to be able to differentiate those different types of assets because it's a huge asset to you as the business owner and the real estate owner.
2: Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll hear some people say, Oh, like these real estate guys are just using all these loopholes and it's like, well, they actually want you to do it because it's incentivizing. I mean, what's a huge problem or people are saying is a problem now in the U S housing. What are they incentivizing investment and housing? So it's really helping everybody, but some people don't see it that way. Yeah, it's sad
1: that it's that yeah. way. If you look at 2018, uh, there was a couple tax codes that were put out there. One, the qualified opportunity funds. Yeah. Well, what the government ended up doing was they used to give credits for going into bad areas. And then they said, wait a minute, what if we don't give the credits and we just turn it around and say, uh, population, go out there. We're going to give you incentives to put your own money into these areas mm-hmm. and we will let you not pay tax on all of your growth. But we're going to take our credits back. Yeah. Well, the market's going. Wow, this is fantastic. Well, our economy just saved our government saved a ton of money because they took their credits back. Yeah. So if you don't take advantage of it, it's actually hurting exactly what our government is trying to, to yeah. incentivize. Yeah. And to save their own money.
0: Yeah. And that's that was a surprise to me when you learn. You, you know, you talk to tax professionals like yourself, um, or even former. I took a class from a former IRS um, agent. This is when I was in college. I've been I started studying it because you know I figured what's the what's the best investment you can make. Well, you can save. 20, 30, 40% on a dollar from not paying taxes or, or saving it from utilizing the strategy. Mm -hmm. And he said the same thing. He said, think of the tax code as incentives that the government gives you to do certain things with your money. Mm -hmm. And again, that's, I looked at him and said, well, what do they, what do they incentivize you to do? Real estate, multifamily real estate, Mm -hmm. commercial real estate, um, development. So, um, you, you look at all these things, Heath. So here's the million dollar question. What's your average savings for an individual either percentage or dollar um
1: percentage is the easiest because okay. you, you have such a huge range mm-hmm. um, yeah. but we we average about 47 percent um my everyone around me tells me not to use that stat um, but i'm an accountant so we kind of have to back it up so that actually is our real stat is you for,
0: save 47 percent on average wow it's incredible yeah
1: yeah, so we range. Uh, we don't normally go too much under 25%. That's yeah. usually our bottom, like uh, that's the bottom of the barrel. It uh, goes all the way up to as high as the mid-60s or um, 70%, so somewhere in that range is kind of the variable. So an interesting stat that uh, that I find is that the clients that – give more money mm-hmm. are on the higher end of the spectrum and mm-hmm. the clients that spend more money on things we can't write off like Ferraris or Lamborghinis and we like cars, right? So the stuff that we yeah. can't write off, those clients are on the lower end of the savings strategies. Interesting. And I find that one fascinating yeah. in, the, in my business when yeah. I'm watching that. But a lot of it's because if you if you take one of the basic premises that we look at, which yeah. is don't pay money, don't pay taxes on money you're not spending. Love it. Right? Yeah. Give that money back to you so that you can grow that money. Don't give it to the government. If you're going to spend it, pay taxes on it. That is very fair. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that. So that causes you to go to jail if you don't follow that. <laughs> so um, anyway, so when you look at those clients, hey, the more money that you're putting back, that you're reinvesting, the more taxes you're going to get. Yeah.
2: So Heath, if you could go back and give your 25-year-old self one piece of advice from everything you've learned, what would it be? I would surround myself
1: with the right mentors. And the more that I've done this, especially when you start dealing with, like, advanced tax or you're doing very advanced real estate, right? Well, there's only so much we can learn. When you, when you come out of the gate and you learn something new, your chances of mistake are high.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you're better off to have someone around you that's made that mistake before to teach you. And I wish I would have spent that time with the right mentor at the age of 25, because I think I would have expedited my career by 10 years. By putting those things together and just having a good leader of experience to guide me—that's
0: great advice. I think we've heard that on the show before. You know, surrounding yourself by you know with smart people, um, good mentors, and you know people that, that have expertise in other areas—it's fantastic yeah. advice. Yeah,
2: hundred percent. Yeah, working with Chris over the last few years and him being my mentor has helped a ton.
1: Yeah, you will be an amazing investor when you look at all the things that he's teach that he's teaching you. Because you're you're you've made the mistakes over your life. Oh yeah,
0: made a few. Absolutely. Uh-huh. We <laughs> yeah. all
1: have, and I've done them too. I and mean, yeah. you can't you can't get around them.
0: No, nah, um, and they're they're worth multiples of what you know what it costs me. Oh, so yeah. 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 And it's in
1: my cool. world, if I make those mistakes, people really don't like me because it goes it doesn't usually turn out too well. So yeah. we can't yeah. make mistakes. <laughs> um, I do surround myself with lots of good mentors, which is great though, because I get to learn a lot more now because they know even more than I do. So yeah. I learn something new every you know,
0: every week. Terrific. At least. Well, if people want to learn from you, Heath, learn more about the Walters way. Um, like
1: I said, we're going to put this in the show notes. What's the best way to get a hold of you and find your information. If you go to the Walters com, and, uh, all of our stuff is right there you can see kind of our video. You can kind of understand how we differentiate what's the difference between a tax preparer and a tax planner. Go watch the rest of the two minute video that's on there. Uh, pretty quick. And it, it seems to make a lot of sense to most people. Absolutely. Um, yeah, actually I showed that to, uh, to someone at the shark level and they're like, "Wow, that's impressive." Cool. Uh, so if you can explain tax planning to a shark and go, "Man, I don't have any of that stuff." You know that it's working and it's in a simple format that it makes sense to to anybody if they're super wealthy or if it's just a regular individual.
0: Awesome. We'll go to the waltersway.com, get more information on the strategies that Heath shared today, and you can also go to nextlevelincome.com, get your free ebook and learn more about how you can join our club and have access to our investments in the future. Thank you for joining us today. Really appreciate your time today, Heath. Thanks.